You've been listening to amazing music here at the Nahum Siegel Network. Coming up next, JM Sunday with Matis Weingast here at NahumSiegel.com.
Good morning, everyone. Welcome to JM Sunday right here on the Nachum Siegel Network. My name is Matis Weingast, and I'm your host this morning. Welcome. Welcome to our show. This is actually show number 350 of JM Sunday. Wow. It's been amazing. 350th show, JM Sunday. Welcome, everyone. Thanks for joining us. It's the 30th of June, 2019. 27th day in the month of Sivan, 5779. This coming Wednesday, Thursday is Rosh Chodesh Tammuz. If you're studying Dafyomi, it's Erechin Yud Dalit 14. Not too late to start, just jump in. And uh, the temperature outside of our studios right now is 71 degrees, going up to a high of 84 today. No rain in the forecast for today. No rain in the forecast today. Going down to a low of 64 degrees. In Jerusalem right now, it's 86 degrees, going down to 65 degrees tonight. Hope you had a great week and a great Shabbos. Thank you for joining us here today. We appreciate it. Uh, Rabbi Goldwasser coming up at 7.30. Uh, we'll double-check on the news from Israel. Not sure. I have a guest this morning at 8.15. I'll be uh, joined by Mr. Edward Sirota, he is the founder of Centropa, and we'll talk about the organization and the upcoming teachers' seminar that starts next week. We're going to get right to the music. Again, thanks for joining us. We are on the Nachum Siegel Network, and uh, we're going to start off with Achenu right here on JM Sunday, again, exclusively on the Nachum Siegel Network. Shine 
Promised land 
Chiliom Ava Viachva Boys Choir right here on uh, JM Sunday. Matis Weingast with you here as we uh, get ready to go to Rabbi Goldwasser in just a uh, in just a moment. Uh, we will get to him and uh, reminding you that um, excuse me, reminding you that uh, eight o'clock. Well, we're going to see about the news from Israel. Not sure about the news from Israel. We will double-check on that uh, over the next half hour and uh, let you know uh, on that. And, um, yeah, today is the uh, 30th of June, 2019, and uh, it is the 27th of Sivan, 5779, 71 degrees outside of our studios. 84 is the expected high, going down to 64. It's a big drop. And uh, in Israel, Jerusalem, it's 86 degrees right now, going down to 65 degrees. If you're studying Dafyomi, it's Erechen Yudalit 14. Uh, I'll be joined at about 8.15 by uh, Edward Sirota. He's the founder of Centropa. We'll talk about that organization and the upcoming programs. So that'll be at 8.15 today. Should be very interesting. Find out why someone from Savannah, Georgia, is involved in this organization and started it. Should be, as I said, quite interesting and informative. Uh, So that is at 8.15 today. Right now, at this time, each and every Sunday through Thursday, we present to you Rabbi David Goldwasser. Rabbi Goldwasser's words, L'zecha nishmas Ravzeb Rabbi Yosef Alevi, and L'zecha nishmas Esther Bas Rabbi Yosef Alevi. Here is Rabbi David Goldwasser with Morning Chizuk. Good morning. We read, You will see the tzitzis and remember all the mitzvahs of Hashem. We learn that, This particular mitzvah is equal to all of the other mitzvahs. We also learn in Talmud Bavli Meseches Menachos, whoever is careful in this mitzvah, they will receive the Divine Presence. Why is it, asked the Zerashimshin, that this mitzvah adds more Kedusha to Kal Yisroel than any other mitzvah? We also know that all the statements that we've learned are quite puzzling. What is the special quality of the mitzvah of tzitzis and what does it have to do with being mekabel, pnei shechina, receiving the Divine Presence, or adding Kedusha. The Zerashimshan answers that the mitzvah of tzitzis is so great that klayim, the usual forbidden mixtures, are permitted for it. We could say that it connects the goof and the nefesh in Avodah Hashem, even like it was before the chet of Adam Arishon. Our Pasuk tells us, And they will be for you for tzitzis. And when you see them, you will remember all the mitzvahs of Hashem. By seeing the tzitzis, a person can constantly remember not to go after their physical desires. An individual who remembers this and does not pursue Gashmias has created an additional Kedusha more than any other mitzvah that does not have this specific implication. Certainly, a person who has accepted upon himself to distance himself 
from those desires in this world that cause him to be far away from Torah will be zoche to be mekabo pnei shechina. They will receive. A little technical difficulty there, it seems, with the uh, recording. Uh, we thank Rabbi Goldwasser. I think it may have cut out right at the end. Uh, that's what happens when you have live uh, live shows. It's always great. Uh, we'll see if we can fix that a little bit later on. Anyway, I mentioned earlier that it is uh, Rosh Chodesh Tammuz is coming up uh, Wednesday and Thursday. So here, uh, here is a selection of Ayahia Chodesh. Just in time for Rosh Chodesh, right here on JM Sunday.
A little bit of uh, Arkady's Hora here on JM Sunday. Uh, my uh, my apologies to Arkady. Maybe we'll get back to him in a little bit. But I have on the air the one and only Nachum Siegel. Good morning, Nachum. Good morning, Matis. Do you hear me well? I hear you perfectly. Thank you. Welcome to I'm JM on. Sunday. I appreciate that. I'm on the road this morning listening to JM Sunday. It seems to be a tradition, I think, when it comes to the early... Uh, July Sundays, so I'm glad that instead of, uh, well, not whatever, usually I'm in my house or in the studio tuned in. Today I'm on the road and enjoying a beautiful looking day, and uh, your great show, so thank you very much. All right, you're welcome. Thank you for joining us. You know, today is show 350, as we mentioned earlier in the week. You get a big mazal tov. I think 350 translates into about seven years, which is unbelievable. Yeah. And a tremendous commitment and uh, a really big benefit for everybody in the community worldwide because there, nobody has Sunday morning programming uh, of the Jewish variety. So once we incorporated uh, JM Sunday into our network, it's been uh, an amazing success. And I've shared with you how um, more and more people are tuning in every single week, thank God. 
And it's all to your credit. You know what radio is. Radio is all about being live, being consistent, making sure to always being there. And, boy, you've, you've certainly held up to that end of the game. <laughs> sure have. Sure have. The only thing that uh, stopped us from doing a show live uh, and doing a show every single Sunday is the fact that we are in the diaspora and we have a second day Yom Tov. I think maybe there's only one time where it was first day Yunta for just two times. So, you know, someday we'll all be in Israel and uh, we'll have even more programming. I guess the only first day Yontif would have been Shavuot. Yeah. Other than that, you're right. Other than yeah. that, it's only because we're in diaspora that yeah. uh, that you would have missed the show. I was wondering what we did last year on Tishava. Was there a regular JM Sunday? Did you present nine days lectures? I was trying to remember what we did. Yeah, there was a show, and we had uh, Rabbi Barrel Wine. Right, so nine days lectures. The same. I assume we're doing the same thing this year since Tishava is Shabbos, and the observance will be on Sunday. Yes, that is correct. We still have not found a, a way of... Of saying that since it's not uh, actual Tishabav, we we don't have to observe it, but we do, unfortunately, <laughs> unfortunately. But that's for another one of the, those type of discussions you, you, you like to a, have. You just put a thought in my head. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. It's one. It's like the discussion you had with uh, with uh, Josh Fasser earlier in the week about uh, the. Um, you were talking about the different uh, readings of the. Um, of the Parsha because of the diaspora and Israel difference, and maybe it's time to try to do something, but. I don't know. It's well, weird, I mean, for thinking. a long time we were diaspora-centric. Now we need to be Israel-centric. Exactly. Things, but, well, today... But I, don't, I, I don't see that happening. Yeah, yet, I, don't, I don't see it happening right now. Today, however, we are Nachum Siegel Network-centric. And uh, I didn't invite you on the air. I mean, you're always invited on the air, obviously. But I didn't invite you on the air just to hear your melodious voice because we'll be missing it tomorrow morning. Uh, but... Uh, I asked you to come on the air because uh, this is the time period where there is the major fundraiser for the network, and it's important that everybody listening not only contributes uh, to the network on their own, but also uh, become ambassadors for the network to any friend of theirs that does not know yet about the network. Show them how easy it is to listen around the world, literally, uh, and uh, to participate in this wonderful endeavor that you started 36 years ago and uh, continues to today so you know i wanted to welcome you uh, on the air thank you because without you i wouldn't be here doing this uh and uh, to hear words of encouragement from you about people contributing and helping out to what you do well first of all your first point that i'm not there tomorrow but yoni pollock's going to be sitting in right. one of our young-blooded uh, staff members he's yeah. going to be there because i'll be up at camp Masora. And that's one of the goals and one of the reasons why we've been a success, thank God, is because someone's always doing a live show every day. So I, I thank you for today, him for tomorrow, et cetera, et cetera. Then, um, uh, yeah, I mean, the uh, <laughs> there are a lot of people out there who have already donated to our spring fundraiser. We have to thank them. They Excellent. donated by mail, donated by fjbunity.org, fjbunity.org. So a big thank you to anybody who's already contributed. Uh, but, yeah, yeah, Matis is officially the... Uh, director of our fundraising, and myself, who's the unofficial director of fundraising. <laughs> uh, we try to sometime around now, sometime around the end of June, wrap up our spring fundraiser because Shavosh Shabbatam was a little later this year than usual. So we're extending it, uh, you know, just a few more days, basically into the beginning of July. So we want everybody, literally during these last moments, these last few days of the fundraiser, to please become our partner and please become a sponsor of ours. You know, there are many different ways that this network is supported. It's, it's obvious. There's sponsorships, advertising, etc. But one of the most important ways is listener support, a la the Channel 13 model. So 
So we don't we don't want to have the same politics as Channel 13, but we certainly want to have the same impact. And everybody out there who has a uh, the capability of giving whatever it is, 18, 1,800, 18,000, or anywhere in between, is a very easy website where you can contribute right now and show appreciation for this show being on every single week and JMN being on every single day and the network being on seven days a week. We have Saturday night programming and, of course, plenty of Friday and Sunday programming. So we are literally seven days a week providing this incredible service. And if you like it, and if you believe that 35 years proves that we're you know, here to stay for a while, that we're a proven commodity, as I always like to say, then please contribute. And please, as Matis says, become an ambassador. And through social media and email, remind your friends and relatives, you know, there's a fundraiser going on. Malcolm Siegel and his staff need support to keep going. A lot of you, as you would say to the people who tune in, a lot of you um, enjoy the show from around the world, no matter what. Uh, so contribute at fjbunity.org, fjbunity.org. And also, the theme of this year's fundraiser, for those of you who received the uh, car magnet and the luggage tag, is on the go. It is so easy to take us along no matter where you are. Someone could be listening right now, as we know from proof last week, in Melbourne, Australia, Marietta, Georgia, and anywhere in between. It's so easy to take us along. You know, I was at a wedding last week, Matt, this. you'll appreciate this, and someone was yeah. bemoaning the fact that we're no longer on terrestrial radio. Right. And I said, do you understand that that now you can actually hear the show? Do you understand that? You know, when we were on terrestrial radio, this gentleman was from Long Island. I said, I said how, how often were we able to tune in and actually hear things? Exactly. It was so spotty and so difficult to hear. And did you realize now you can be anywhere on this planet, literally, and you can hear the show clearly? without any interruptions or problems? He goes, I never thought of that. I said, yeah, give it a chance for five minutes tomorrow. You'll be addicted. Yeah. Because, you know, when you hear us clearly and it's so easy to tune in, there's nothing better. So It's very easy out to do. there. Yeah, it's extremely easy. Uh, help us continue in this digital age to provide international, um, the, the international community with great programming. Go to fjbunity.org, fjbunity.org. And if you'd rather give by phone or you'd rather give by mail, just email Matis, and he will tell you exactly how to do that. Yeah, thank you, Nachum. And I want to thank also um, your staff, which is wonderful, and especially headed up by Miriam L. Wallach, who's been doing a tremendous job uh, since the inception of the network, even beforehand, and uh, does, does a great job and is so helpful to all the, uh, to all the hosts and, uh, and to you, of course, and, and really want to thank her and shout out to her. Yeah, we have a lot of great people, and Miriam, as you said, is general manager of the network, and it's been uh, seven years, no coincidence, that that's, you know, the length of time that James Sunday's been on, <laughs> seven years that we officially created this right. all-digital platform, this amazing network, and, uh, you know, a lot of work goes into it, a lot of love goes into it, everybody out there should just... You know, give what you can and, and help us help us continue. Right. You know, it's interesting. You mentioned about hearing around the world, of course. Uh, when I when I travel, which is not that often, but when I travel to places and it's far away from this area, uh, I, I have a news app on my phone from a local news uh, show here, uh, a uh, you know one of, one of the radio shows, news shows, and uh, I'll I'll put it on a little bit because I want to hear you know the back home. Uh, News, even if I'm someplace totally different, just it's comforting a little bit. Here, it's ten times beyond that because not only are you listening, wherever we are in the world, we're connected. 
as as Jews, as people who listen to your show and the network, as uh, history, you know, everything coming together, wherever you are in the world, it's not like you're listening to something somewhere else. You're listening to what you're listening to right where you are. And that feeling of uh, of listening to that and hearing and the camaraderie and feeling as if you're there talking to you, Nachum, it's, it's a great feeling. And people should think about that when they're uh, thinking to contribute and when they're telling other people about it. I'm going to be interviewing somebody uh, later on today who is uh, based in Vienna, Austria. And uh, it, it's that's not even a thought. It's like, okay, so he's in Vienna. Get him on, uh, on the air, so to speak, and, and he's heard around the world. It, it's a mind-boggling concept that was was not around when <laughs> when you started thirty something years ago, uh, but but now it's just simple. And the benefit is that the listeners can hear that and get whatever they get out of it. No question about it. It's a um, it's remarkable to bring people to the entire world from anywhere in the world. We can broadcast from anywhere in the world. We can be uh, we can be a family and feel close knit, as you just indicated, and tune in as if we're all you know coming home from anywhere in the world. It's it just the whole thing is remarkable. Sometimes you have to stop and just consider, you know, the era that we're in, the stuff that we're able to do that no other generation could. Absolutely. And uh, as long as we uh, as long as we can keep going, as long as we have support out there. We're going to keep doing this and making a lot of people very happy seven days a week, as I said. FJBUnity.org. FJBUnity.org. If you received a mailer, send it back. If you haven't done so already, or go online and contribute. By the way, we're working. I really hope that this will be the week I can announce it. We're working on on a very, very, very quick, meaning it's going to happen in July, hopefully, if it happens. Mm Mm-hmm. A quick Jewish Unity Initiative trip. It's going to make a lot of people out there very proud of us. I'm nice. hoping it works out. Whether it works out or not, I'll let everyone know. You know, once the time passes, what happened. If it doesn't work out, I'll let you know what happened. But and and you know what we were trying to do. But I think it's going to work. And if it does, it's going to make a big impact. Wow! Really, truly around the world. Nice. So hopefully that'll work out. But I I don't want people to think like you know because we haven't had a major trip recently. The most recent ones were um, the most recent one may have been Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh. Frank, the Jewish Initiative. Uh, which is coming up on uh, just more than half a year, yeah. but um, but I, I I just want everyone to know that there's there's always you know the wheels are always turning. There's always thinking about what's necessary to broadcast to the entire Jewish world and to you know to to make the big gesture to certain areas and neighborhoods that we as their brothers and sisters are standing with them. And again, hopefully this week. A, a big announcement about the next journey will be announced. So Very we're always exciting. thinking about it, everybody. Don't, don't think we're resting on our laurels. Right. Uh, we're always, you know, we're always thinking of this, and I hope that uh, you'll continue to support us, so we can keep thinking. And that's fjbunity.org, fjbunity.org. Beautiful. Thank you, Nachum. Enjoy your trip, and enjoy your visit up north uh, tomorrow. And we'll look Thank forward you. to uh, hearing Yoni on the air. Uh, I so we'll we'll have the listeners bother them a little bit. How's that? You know, they can request. I would hope things. so. Yeah. <laughs> would Go hope on the app. So, you know. Go on the app. Tell them exactly. how he's doing and uh, request songs and say good morning to Yoni. Yeah. Exactly. Request songs. App comments. Make up birthday wishes if necessary. Come on. <laughs> 
you don't they don't have to be made up Nachum. there are so many listeners that that listen to us of course on the app and uh and 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 comment away and, and you know we have some people who comment every day some people who comment every month and you know it's just it's it's a warm feeling also to have that and i appreciate your you're giving us that opportunity. Thank you again, Nachum. Enjoy your trip today. Thank you, Matthew. Be well. <laughs> Bye-bye. Nachum Siegel here on JM Sunday. And uh, we'll get back to the music. As I mentioned before, Edward Sirota, founder of Centropo, will be my guest at around 8.15. We'll, um, we'll check and see uh, what that's all about. And uh, we'll, uh, we'll find out more. Uh, and let's see. What do we have up next? Uh, I think we have we have some Avram Freed up next. Is that is that true? Yeah, I'm not sure. It looks like we're not going to have the news from Israel today, uh, but I'm not sure. <laughs> it may be a last minute thing. So here is Avram Freed right here on JM Sunday exclusively on the Nachum Siegel Network. Yerushalayim, <laughs>
joins us every Sunday morning to bring us up to date on the latest happenings in the state of Israel. Good morning, Hannah Julian. Good morning, Matis. <laughs> A lot going on here today. Residents in southern Israel say they're going to the United Nations to protest the human rights violations by Gaza's ruling Hamas terrorist organization and the constant arson attacks being carried out against them. Israel and Hamas signed a ceasefire agreement last Thursday night, but by Friday it was all up in smoke. Literally. By the time the Sabbath rolled in, residents of southern Israel near the Gaza border had fought 14 fires that were started by incendiary balloons launched from Gaza. And that does not include all the stones and Molotov cocktails, live fireworks, and other explosives that were thrown by Gazans Friday at Israeli soldiers who were stationed along the border security fence. There were 7,000 
Gazans participating in that violence. So people in southern Israel are not clear about how that adds up with what Hamas calls a ceasefire agreement. In the past week alone, Gaza terrorists have started a total of 100 fires in southern Israel. But so far, government officials have not discussed that issue with regional council leaders or toward the area. Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu said in his opening remarks to the cabinet this morning that he's not impressed by the various experts who are criticizing his policies on Gaza. He says he fully understands the distress of the southern communities who are facing the arson attacks, but he says that only one thing guides him, and that's the security of the state of Israel. He says last week that the government imposed heavy sanctions on Hamas. Fuel supplies were stopped, for instance, and more stringent means will be used as necessary, he says. Those steps are being taken after consultations with security forces. However, by the way, it's important to note that the fuel supplies were resumed early Friday morning, as soon as Hamas signed the ceasefire agreement that it broke just a few hours later. There's been no word yet on how the prime minister intends to follow that up. Finally, in the breakout department, Israel's national airline, El Al, has welcomed its first-ever Druze flight attendant. Last week, the Israeli Air Force congratulated its first-ever Druze helicopter pilot. Lieutenant G graduated the Air Force pilot's training program, and now we have Merach Kara, a resident of the Druze village of Daliat el Carmel near Haifa. Kata finished her national service, as do many Orthodox Jewish young women, and then enrolled in university for a job and in computer programming. But she decided instead that she would rather be a flight attendant with El Al Airlines. She says that was her dream from childhood. It's a breakout move from her culture, but her parents say they're proud of her, and they're supporting her decision. So we wish Mirah Kara Mazel Tov as well from JM Sunday. A quick look now at the weather, and it is a hot one here in the Holy Land. Mostly sunny with highs in the mid to upper 80s in most of the country. In the 90s, anywhere you go in the south, and we're breaking 100 plus at the Dead Sea and in a lot, about 105 degrees. At night, anywhere in the country, partly cloudy skies with the low in the 70s, absolutely sultry weather in the lazy days of summer here, no change, all week long. So it's water bottle weather. Make sure to stay hydrated and wear your sunblock. Have a great week, everyone, and a lovely new month of Tammuz. I'm Hannah Julian for Jam Sunday. That's our news from Israel. Thank you so much, Hannah Julian. We'll see you next week right here on Jam Sunday, exclusively on the Nachum Siegel Network. It is uh, 8.07 in the morning, and uh, that's our time here where we are. Wherever it is, where, Whatever time it is where you are, that's what time it is, and that's where you're listening. Uh, my thank you again to Hannah Julian. In a few minutes, we're going to be joined by Edward Sirota, founder of Centropa. We'll talk to him about the organization and the upcoming teacher seminar. That'll be uh, about 8.15, so in about eight minutes from now. We're going to go back to the music in the meantime and uh, catch up with um, 
Oh, some ABD Hine Matov right here on JM Sunday, exclusively on the Nachum Siegel Network.
Hashem by uh, Akiva Tolchin, Lift Up Your Eyes. Here on JM Sunday, Matis Weingast with you. Thank you all for joining us. My thanks to uh, my thanks to Chana Julian for giving us the news from Israel live and in English at the top of the hour. Uh, it is always good to hear what's going on in Israel. And my thanks to Nachum Siegel for joining us and uh, fill, filling us in on the activities that are going on and the fundraiser that is taking place over at on the network, not over, on the network, and um, we appreciate that. It's the 30th of June, last day in the month, 27th day in the month of Sivan, or Shkodesh Tammuz, coming up Wednesday and Thursday. In our neck of the woods, it's 71 degrees outside right now, going up to a high of uh, 84 degrees, and then back down to 64 degrees. So uh, that's a, a bit of a drop, 20 degrees. It'll be cooler tonight, but hot during the day. And uh, I'm going to want to find out uh, the weather where our guest is located. And right now, I want to uh, speak with someone who founded an organization called Centropa, which is a uh, nonprofit Jewish uh, historical institute. As I read from the um, the website, dedicated to preserving 20th century Jewish family stories and photos from Central and Eastern Europe and the Balkans and disseminating these stories and photos through films, books, and exhibitions. The founder of Centropa, Mr. Edward Sirota, welcome to JM Sunday. Oh, thanks very much. It's nice to be here. Thank you very much, and it's a pleasure. Now, right now, I think you're, uh, you're somewhere a little far away from our New Jersey headquarters. In, uh, if I may say, you're in Vienna. Am I correct? That's correct, and it's very hot here. There's a huge heat wave going on in Europe right now, and it's going to be... 100 degrees Fahrenheit here today. Oh, beautiful. That's pretty much the way it is in Israel, as we heard, that it's going up to 105 in a lot. Well, that's a lot. <laughs> I'd like to be there. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Mr. C- Mr. Mr. Centropa, Mr. Sirota, uh, what does Centropa stand for? What's the uh, actual name uh, mean? It's basically just a, a, a playing around with the word Central Europe. So it's, it's, uh, 
in German it would be Mitteleuropa, but that wouldn't work, so we called it Centropa. That makes sense. Now, in reading your uh, biography, uh, you're from Savannah, Georgia. Uh, most people might think, well, why? how would somebody from Savannah, Georgia get into this? But as you, I'm sure, know, Savannah has a very rich and long Jewish history going back to the 1700s. Uh, right. and, and very important in the United States Jewish history, I believe Savannah has uh, the second oldest synagogue in the United States. Yeah, as I'm told, um, the Jews were in Savannah, the, the Sephardim uh, came from England in, in the 1730s and uh, came with the original settlements. And then the Sephardim were replaced by the German Jews, who then were replaced by the, or uh, superseded by the uh, uh, East European Jews, which is where my family, which came from Poland, was. Wow, very interesting. Now, getting to Centropa, when you founded it back in uh, 2000, uh, from what I read, you had a particular goal in mind. Uh, you wanted to use the latest technologies to preserve Jewish memory in uh, in different lands where basically it had been wiped out during the Holocaust, and then also, very importantly, to disseminate that information and to hand it over to other people to teach about those memories. Uh, what did you find that may have been uh, lacking or missing in the field of education that prompted you to do this? Well, that's a big question. The, um, and I'll answer it this way. is I started Centrope at the end of 1999, actually, and this is after I'd already spent 15 years living and working in Central and Eastern Europe and working as a writer and photographer and filmmaker specializing in Jewish life and Jewish themes in this region. And always trying to uh, uh, preserve uh, the stories I was hearing and, 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 and photographing people and interviewing them. But in 1999, I was making a film for Nightline and I was going in a, in a small town in Romania about a Jewish soup kitchen, and the town was Arad. And I was going home with people, and they were showing me their family pictures and telling me these great stories about this is my opera singing aunt, this was my card shark uncle, this was my uh, uh, much smarter sister, the medical doctor, uh, this was my first boyfriend who used to box with so-and-so. And I was thinking to myself, who collects pictures like that? We all know that Jewish life in this part of the world is but a shadow of what it once was, but there were or are still a very few Jews who remember those days from before the Holocaust. And while there are very important and very good video interview projects with many of those same people, I wanted to do something different. I wanted to go to them and ask each one of them to tell stories about how their families lived all during the 20th century, from the 1920s, 30s, 40s, all the way through 50s, 60s, all the way up until the days we interviewed them in the early 2000s. So that's what we were after, and by digitizing everything, we were able to put it online almost immediately, which is what you can find. That's a very interesting focus, because what you're basically doing is you're bringing to the, uh, to the world what people, what people had before the Holocaust, what people lived like, how people lived beforehand, basically not only what we lost in terms of the people and, and the destroyed uh, cities and, and you know murdered people, but 
the culture of what we had beforehand that's not there now. That's, that's a very good focus, very interesting focus. We had a, uh, a student, a high school student in, in Austria from a public high school, who she said, all last year we learned uh, that Jewish life was destroyed in Central and Eastern Europe. She said, this year when we're using Central Open Class, we learned what was destroyed. Yeah, exactly, and that that makes a profound difference because it's one thing even in the uh, even in the Jewish schools uh, here in the United States. Let's say uh, it, it's one thing to learn Holocaust studies. It's so many years later, uh, and you kind of get the feeling, like you said, that uh, we're learning about being destroyed. We're learning about being killed. We're learning about what happened there. But when you put it through, what what do they live like there? People can compare it to what they live like now and can really have that understanding. So that's a that's a great uh, model for doing that. Well, what made what makes this also different is that I used to work as a print journalist uh, for various publications, and I used to work in broadcast when I would do films for ABC News. And when Centropa was founded, what I uh, and then once we started working with teachers a few years later, is is what I realized is. I never thought that uh, video interviews was a great way to go. I spent a lot of time video, uh, interviewing people on video, and they can be crashingly boring. Mm-hmm. I think they're extremely important, and I think all the work that these video interview archive projects have done is vitally important, uh, and I have nothing but uh, praise for them. But we were after a different approach. and. Our whole idea was to deconstruct every life story into short stories that we would digitize the pictures and then get them to tell stories about their pictures so that we're deconstructing them in, into these short stories and then putting them on, online. And then through multimedia films, exhibitions, illustrated books, walking tour apps, we reconstruct their stories through a variety of media, much of which didn't even exist when we first went into business. Right. Uh, and, and it makes sense that because you're a media person, your background is in media, you uh, the big component, one big component of Centropa is to actually disseminate that information to other people, not just to collect the stories in an archive that you know maybe people would see. Again, it's very important, but you very actively, and I want to get to that in a moment, disseminate that, um, put that out there for people to see, and that, that's so vital. Well, we, in, in all honesty, we had no intention of working in education. But when our uh, website went live in 2002, we were blessed with fabulous media coverage. We were twice in the New York Times, on BBC, in The Guardian, in The Observer, in Haaretz, uh, and uh, uh, German newspapers, Austrian newspapers, etc., etc. And as soon as our website went live and then those articles came out about us, teachers started beating a path to our door saying, well, what's your education program? In another life, before I started as a journalist in 1985, I used to work in Los Angeles in the music business in the marketing department of several record companies. And the thing that I always I learned from the guys who mentored me then was always ask your customers what they want to do with the material. Don't you tell them. So we started bringing teachers around the table and ask them to tell us what was missing and what we could bring them. And that is why 
We started working in schools. We first started working in American Jewish schools. Then we've moved on to American public schools. And now we work in 15 countries, mostly in public schools, but Jewish schools in Europe and schools in Israel. And we have seminars. And then every summer we bring the very best and innovative teachers to Europe where we sit around the table for eight days and share lesson plans and brainstorm with each other how to connect our students with each other as well as to 20th century history. And this year we're doing that in Berlin for eight days. Right. And that was the focus, and that's what actually got me uh, interested in Centropa. For full transparency, my wife, who is a teacher in uh, a Newark public school here in New Jersey, uh, is actually going to be attending the seminar this year, this summer in Berlin. And uh, it starts in a, about a week. She's very excited about it. And uh, in, in reading about this seminar, it, it's very fascinating because you are taking people, like you said, from around the world, as it's 70 or 80 uh, educators from around the world, and bringing them together, focusing on uh, on uh, the, the topics, of course, listening to... Uh, Speaker, speakers getting groups together, and then most importantly, creating a database of um, of lesson plans to disseminate out to the rest of the world. Uh, and this is, I believe, uh, is this your thirteenth seminar this summer? That's right. Yeah. This this year we will uh, mean that we have brought a total of eight hundred teachers from a total of nineteen countries uh, to our summer program. And what and, and what they do is is they will be spending part of the time. I didn't mean all of their time brainstorming, because we have two concepts with our summer program. One is that we use the great cities of uh, Central Europe as our classroom, and the second concept we have is uh, we create an atmosphere so that teachers can learn from each other. And it's it's great when you have a program where you have Israeli, Polish, American. And, uh, uh, and, and, and Bosnian teachers all sitting around comparing notes and how they teach Holocaust and how they teach. Uh, and, and let's say our teachers from Lithuania are very keen to uh, come up with programs to show how Jews lived in their towns, which they can find right on our Centropa website from the interviews we made there. And they share that with the American teachers who are thrilled to use it. So you actually have them partnering with each other, and that's what's important. Edward Sirota is the founder and uh, director of Centropa. Centropa.org is the website that you just referred to, and there's a wealth of information on there. When you do have these collaborative uh, uh, meetings during the summer, the Summer Academy, and you mentioned specifically the lesson plans that are uh, given out and and used, here in the United States, I don't know about other countries, you can tell us, uh, there is and has been for many years a push for uh, Holocaust studies or genocide studies in the public schools. Uh, and many times, from what I understand, they're taught by people who know not that much about it. They're looking at a lesson plan and maybe getting some information. And it will be surprising, I think, to a lot of people to know which teachers end up teaching uh, Holocaust and genocide studies. Uh, it may not be uh, the, the same genre of teachers that you, you might one might think. Uh, so with that, I'm, I'm sure that so many people look to you to get uh, valid and authentic and uh, uh, interesting, if you will, lesson plans and modes of teaching these studies for them. Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm glad to say that there's a lot of players in the field and everybody's got a different approach. Uh, and and it, it, we think there's a lot of value added out there. Uh, 
most teachers aren't, let's say, they, uh, it's, it's a funny thing in the United States is teachers don't go and become teachers when, they're, when they go to university to be a history teacher, to be an English teacher. They usually pick that up after they already uh, have their teaching license. Right. Um, and and they, they develop their specialties uh, uh, as they go. I'm not negative about this. What I like about it is the fact that people don't contact us unless they really are interested. Uh, and if they are, then we usually it, it, we, we, we find that we have a, a, a good success. I would say that they're self-selecting. Now, uh, the question is, uh, what sort of shape is Holocaust education in in America? We've always seen we've all seen these studies that show that most people don't know what it is. Mm-hmm. I'm not quite so convinced that that's true. Um, uh, everybody can have a survey that that shows that uh, people don't know enough about the Holocaust, knows what Auschwitz is, this kind of thing. Um, it's uh, some surveys show that that's true, others show that it's not. The important thing is one just has to keep fighting the good fight. And we seem to be doing well, especially in places like Newark and public schools, where there's a, a, a lot of support for what we do. Uh, and in cities like Baltimore and Houston and East Los Angeles, none of these kids are Jewish. But if you work with them in ways that they uh, that speak to them, they'll they'll definitely respond. And, and their teachers, who after they come back from being with us in Berlin, come back imbued. And, and ready to connect their kids with kids in places like Belgrade and Skopje and Athens. And, and once the kids are talking with each other and sharing ideas, uh, then they really will learn, we think. It's a very important point you made because, as you said, most of these students are not Jewish. As a matter of fact, some of the teachers that you bring together are not Jewish. And uh, it's hard to relate. But from what I've read, it seems that when you're teaching about Holocaust studies, genocide studies, you're also hitting home to some of these students in communities where stories of rescue and stories of, of survivor uh, survivor stories do hit home, and then they can relate what they've experienced to what they're learning. We, we very often put um, uh, uh, stories of uh, righteous Gentiles in our stories, and what's important when we're working with public schools is that every kid can find the me in the story, uh, and that's important. All of our programs in, in one school district in Houston, which is 98% Hispanic, all of our multimedia films uh, and programs are all in Spanish, and they focus on the Sephardim, mm, because we begin with 1492 and the Jews uh, uh, being expelled from Spain the very same week that Columbus sailed the other direction. Mm. So we tie that in together, and we have great interest by kids in East Los Angeles and in, in the A-Leaf School District in, in Houston. As a matter of fact, we made a film on, called El Otro Camino, 1492, and it has now been seen 360,000 times wow. on our YouTube channel, which tells you something if you speak the language in more ways than one to the to the audiences that you want to reach. Absolutely. And nowadays we see around the world, certainly in America and other places, where there is a rise in uh, what I would say a, a voiced anti-Semitism. I don't know if there's a rise in anti-Semitism, but certainly it's more vocal. Uh, hate is more vocal out there. I, I think it's always been there, but now it's it's 
it's out there more. And I would imagine you agree that one of the best uh, ways of battling this is through education. And if people realize what they're saying and what they're doing, maybe they won't be so quick to say it when they realize that they're not just talking about someone else that may be of a different country, a different religion, but they're also talking about themselves to a certain extent and what their history has given them and shown them. Well, you, you hit on a very good point, Mattis, because one of the things that we do in, in, in Hungary, in Lithuania, in, uh, in, in Czech Republic, is we, get, we, we have competitions for the students to create programs on my town's Jewish history. Mm. And if they do this in English class, then you get the history teacher and the English teacher cooperating together, which they like to do. And then the kids have to go do research, and then they can make a video walking tour of their small town in Lithuania, Poland, Hungary, Romania, these places. And the kids can then uh, 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 narrate the film in English, and then they can share that with kids in other countries. And they're so proud. My point is that the more you make it an us versus them, the more you make it these are the Jews and this is everyone in our town, this is the Holocaust and these, this is us, then you put up a wall, you put up a difference between the, the, these 14-year-old kids uh, and their town's Jewish history. But when you get these kids to own their town's Jewish history as their own and they win competitions on and they study it and they can do projects like cleaning up the local Jewish cemetery and drag their parents to help them do it, <laughs> Then you've done something about anti-Semitism, I would say, through the back door. Right. Because the most important thing for us is to preserve Jewish memory and to do that in ways that people will own it on their own. Right, exactly. It's not just, uh, it's not just someone else out there. It, it makes it real. and it, it puts a name to a face. It puts a name to the history. And, it, and you know, I'm going back to what we talked about in the beginning in Savannah. I wonder how many, how many people outside of the Savannah Jewish community, for the most part, know about the tremendously rich history of Savannah, Georgia. You know, well, probably not many. <laughs> not, not many. And, and it, you know, it's, it's quite interesting and fascinating. Uh, the lesson plans that you have and the other content uh, that you make available, is, is it available to anyone, even if they're not it's part of the... Yeah, it's, it's, um, it's, it's completely free. That would take something away from our mission if we, if we charge for it or, or made it behind. We do ask right. teachers to register so we can ask them what more we can give them. Sure. Um, so that, let's say, when someone, uh, uh, for instance, whatever reason, I don't know why, in Spain we have people contact us from one school district around Valencia, uh, and they're always asking about our film El Otro Camino, so we give them Balkan materials, and we try to load them up on more and more stuff. Right, makes sense. Uh, and uh, all of this, you said you don't charge anything, but all of this takes money. <laughs> You know that it's not. Uh, it's an, you do it out of the uh, goodness of your heart and your experience. But uh, from what I read in, in your financial information, which is open to the public, it takes about a million bucks a year to to do this. Uh, yes, it's, it does. It's, it's and not, we could do even more. With we could. We, our dream is to have one and a half million. Of course. But we're able to raise about a million a year, and so we spend about a million a right. year. Right. Of course. Uh, we we we. De- Definitely try to stay within our within our budget, but but usually by 
a, a, a width of a piece of dental floss. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, uh, but and and I did find out as as I've seen. I mentioned my wife is going to be attending the summer seminar, which is Centropa. Um, uh, funds, but you also work with local organizations. For instance, here in New Jersey, the Jewish Federation, uh, the Jewish and they're Federation, supportive. Sure, of Metro West through mm-hmm. the uh, through Paula and uh, and her late husband Jerry Goddisman, mm-hmm. their family foundation makes it has made it possible for us to do this. And to to be honest, we have when we're reaching out to schools in East Los Angeles. That's a, a, a pretty tough area. Mm-hmm. We've got some very dedicated uh, uh, teachers and some really spunky kids that we like to work with. And we have families in Los Angeles who pony up and, and, and pay to send the teacher over for the summer program and then give them a little money for their pocket so they can do some extra good things with their students afterwards, like to go to the Holocaust Museum in Los Angeles uh, is, is, is also important for us. So, you know, we're... We snore a lot. <laughs> well, it's important to do, and I know it probably takes up uh, an inordinate amount of your time that you'd rather be focusing on the, on the content and the education and, and traveling around and visiting. Uh, Centropa.org is the name of the organization. is the name of the organization. Centropa.org is the website. There is a link on there if you want to contribute to the organization. You can. You can see all the work that, uh, that they do. Uh, and uh, I, I thank you, Mr. Schroeder for joining me this morning. I really wanted to get the word out there more about your organization, what you do, and the the vital work and the vital uh, importance that it uh, gives us. That it is. Well, Mattis, thank you very much for taking the time. I look forward to meeting your wife in, or I met her before. Sorry, yeah. um, in uh, when I was at Science High School, and I That's look right. forward to uh, spending time with her. And it'll be a little cooler by next week too. Yeah, hope so. Thank you so much. We look forward to hearing all about it. Thank you again, Mr. Sirota. Appreciate you joining us here on JM Sunday. All right. Thank you very much. Too. Take care. Take care. It is uh, 8.38 Eastern Time here on uh, JM Sunday on the Nachum Siegel Network. My thanks to Edward Sirota, founder of Centropa. Go to centropa.org to find out all about the uh, the programs, the information, and uh, everything that uh, that it does. It's really, it, it's a great organization and uh, very important to, uh, very important work that it does and uh, should be supported as much as possible. We're going to get to uh, more music. That's what we do best here, right? I mean, you know, we do interviews. That's phenomenal. We like music. <laughs> Here's Ari Boyanju on JM Sunday exclusively on the Nachum Siegel Network.
Shame, Kodeshoi, Kodeshoi, Bokafnu, Vai, Vai, Yisama, Yisama, Delipenu, Kiva Shame, Kodeshoi, Kodeshoi, Bokafnu.
ללטף אותה עושה הכל. צריכים לזוז בזה, אני בטוח, לארוז לנוח, תוך כדי נבין לאן. והנה בא Oh, what the... 
Finishing up with Lador Vador here on JM Sunday, and my thanks to uh, Rabbi Goldwasser, and my thanks to Hannah Julian, and my thanks to Edward Sirot of Centropa for joining us this morning to talk about the organization, and of course, my thanks to the one and only Nachum Siegel for joining us, talking about the uh, show and the network and uh, the fjbunity.org place to go to contribute to the fundraiser for this season, fjbunity.org. So uh, please make sure to do that. Thank you, everyone, for joining us this morning. Great programming continues all day long. Tomorrow morning on JM and the AM, Yoni Pollock is in for Nachum, 6 a.m., bright and early. Make sure to contact Yoni. Hit him up on the app and request a bunch of songs. Send him messages. Make him announce a thousand things. <laughs> I'm sure he's going to do a great job. So thanks, Yoni, for filling in for Nachum. And then followed by the Israel Show with Mayor Weingarten at 9 o'clock. Have a great week, everyone. We'll see you next week right here on JM Sunday on the Nachum Siegel Network. You've been listening to Matis Weingast and JM Sunday on NachumSiegel.com right here at the Nachum Siegel Network.